Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Watching the Webhead. I'm your host, Delanel, and today I want to begin a series of episodes that are going to be full of spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. At first, I was going to do an episode that just kind of went through the entire movie, scene by scene, right? I decided not to do that. I just decided, you know, you've watched it. At this point, I'm operating under the assumption that you did watch it. I'm not sure who would not watch it and want to be spoiled by it. Um, But this could be months down the line. And you're wondering if this is a movie worth watching. And if you are, you know, like a few months, you know, like maybe it's February of 2022 and you're listening here to get an idea or something. um, There is a non-spoiler review that I also break down whether it's worth watching. But here, we're going to talk about different things and different pieces. Today, as we launch into this whole thing, I want to talk about, and again, spoilers, right? So everybody, be ready. We're about to dive into spoilers If you have not watched it and do not want to be spoiled, spoiler alert, I'm doing my job with due diligence and letting you know what's up. So, rabbit-a-doop-a-da-bop, spoiler. Okay, cool. So, we're, we're here now. This is it. Everyone has left who did not want to be spoiled, and now we can get down to the nitty gritty. So the movie, as we know, essentially pulls all of, almost all of the, yeah, okay, I'll put it like this. All of the live action Sony Spider-Man movies are basically canon to the MCU. This is very interesting, right? We have villains and heroes from those two movie sagas, you want to call them sagas, the Sam Raimi and the Mark Webb sagas, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, whatever you want to call it, they're here. And so now the question is, what are Sony's plans? And that's what I actually want to talk about. You know, today I want to talk about Sony and the MCU's plans. What are the futures from? this movie and what's going to happen moving forward, speculation and things of that nature. So first we'll talk about Sony, then we'll talk about Disney slash Marvel, and then, you know, whatever. So with Sony, it's really interesting. They, uh, you remember that they established a a universe and they named it the Spider-Man universe. And the idea was that To me, if you have a universe named after a character, that character should ought to be not only in the universe, but should probably be like the main character in the universe. If you name a universe after a concept, then you ideally would imagine that that concept would be the underlying theme for that universe. Um... You know, for example, there could be there could be a franchise called 
the Beloved Pig franchise or the Beloved Farm franchise. And it could be just a series of movies about farm animals. One movie could be about chicken. One movie could be about a lamb. One movie could be about a pig. But the recurring theme is this farm. And they're all interconnected, right? Now, if you name a universe after a character, like the Spider-Man universe, you would think Spider-Man would have a heavy part in it, even if he's constantly referenced. So far, he has not been. The only time we've got a Spider-Man reference was in Venom 2. Now, granted, the Spider-Man universe is only two movies old, only has two movies in it. Morbius, as we know from the trailer, has a, at least one Spider-Man reference. But, you know, ultimately, we don't really know what, when Sony will introduce Spider-Man in that universe. Here's what we do know. Sony has infiltrated the MCU by leaving a piece of Venom. You guys, if you stuck around, I'm not sure why you wouldn't, but if you stuck around for the end credit scene, you remember that Venom and Eddie were in the bar. And as Doctor Strange's spell took everyone back to their original universes, uh, Venom was wiped out. You know, Eddie and Venom were wiped out, sent home. But a piece of their, uh, the piece of Eddie, the symbiote, was left behind. Now, I have a problem with this. I feel like this is technically a plot hole. The understanding is that all traces of these characters would be removed. Like, not necessarily the things they've done, but their essence, their existence would be removed. Now, there are two reasons why this can be explained away. One reason is the spell is not perfect. And maybe you have to be completely attached to the like like if 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 someone's character their arm was chopped off, their main body leaves, would their arm be taken too? Like we we don't know. Secondly, the another option is Spider uh, well Venom, we don't know how the symbiote works. Like we don't know the nature of the symbiote. Like we, we understand comics and other movies and media. But we don't know how the symbiote works. So if it detached from Eddie, did it become its own living, breathing thing? But that still doesn't quite add up because it still originated from a different universe. So it should have been picked up alongside... You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, The first reason is probably more plausible as to why that symbiote was left behind. The spell, for whatever reason, did not register to pick up that little piece of symbiote. That symbiote is going to attach itself to someone. Uh, I don't know who. I don't know how. We remember at in the end credits for Let There Be Carnage, Venom was going on about how basically all of the symbiotes are connected and like a, they share a conscious. So this little piece of symbiote may harbor a desire to consume Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. 
The problem is the spell was made so that everyone forgot who Peter Parker was. So this symbiote technically should not have that desire. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with the symbiote moving forward. If the symbiote will indeed be a primary antagonist of Spider-Man or will they make it an antagonist of other characters in the MCU? We don't know. This is a very weird, like I get the concept. We should be excited about Venom showing up. But I don't fully understand what is going to happen. Because this Venom, if he got, if this symbiote got its basically memory wiped, shouldn't we not, like, shouldn't that symbiote basically not have any idea what the hell it's going to do? Eventually, would it just run into Peter Parker? And then, again, who, who will be its main host? Now, in the MCU, the only person who exists in the MCU that has established as a primary host of Venom is Flash Thompson. Now, I, I don't see this occurring in the MCU's version of Flash. So I'm very curious. I have another question. How many universes is Sony working with here? So they have the universe where you know, Tobey Maguire, his Spider-Man was dealing with people. Andrew Garfield was dealing with people. We've never really established Venom and Morbius and all these guys. Where are they from? Right? Where are they from? Who, who are they in their own? Is there a third universe that Sony just created? But then this universe has references especially the Morbius trailer, has references to both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire universes, but also the MCU. So this is a weird... I'm not sure what's going on here. Because my thing is, it sounds like Eddie, Brock, and Venom, they don't have a Spider-Man in the universe. Do they have a Peter Parker who is about to be bitten? I don't know. I mean... Eddie as a big time reporter, but they're in San Francisco, right? So would they necessarily hear about some stuff in New York City? I don't, you know, like it's it's tough to say what's happening here. It's possible there is a Spider-Man in that universe that has yet to be revealed. But it goes back to the concept of what is Sony actually doing here? Because the way the movie ended... I have no idea what's about to happen. Everyone's memory is essentially white of Peter Parker. Everyone knows Spider-Man. No one knows. Not only, not, not only do no one know who Spider-Man is, but no one knows who Peter Parker is, period. Right? So I'm not sure what Sony and Marvel are planning to do with this story exclusively for Spider-Man. Um, we saw the trailer, the Doctor Strange trailer at the end of the credits. It sounds like whatever Doctor Strange did to try to fix whatever happened in No Way Home doesn't actually work. And the fabric of reality begins to tear. Uh, from there, we need to figure out if that movie... And again, we've talked about how Doctor Strange's movie is basically an unofficial sequel, like a direct sequel of Spider-Man's movie. 
So I'm wondering if his movie is going to shed some light into what's actually going to happen with Sony's characters. Sony pulled in a lot of characters from a lot of universes. But we don't know what they're actually going to do with these universes. Now we know that a lot of these villains have been quote unquote cured of their power, right? Electro no longer has electricity going on. Lizard is back to being Connors. Doc Ock's chip was restored. Um, Goblin seems to be fine, I guess. We never really... We don't know for sure with Goblin, right? We don't, we don't really ever know for sure with Goblin. Um, it could have been a temporary fix. I don't know. Um, Lizard Sandman seems like he's finally back to himself. Uh, so a lot of these characters, a lot of these villains, this is the end. Like, we're not going to see them again. So it sounds like the Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire universes, this is their last hurrah. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see them again. Um, these villains are obviously done portraying again. I mean, if you want to have Doc Ock back, if something happens to his new chip and it gets fried again, I mean, that's a possibility. I honestly thought he was going to get his chip fried when Electro blasted him out the window. I thought it was going to happen again. And I was like, oh, snap. But it didn't happen. I don't know if Peter made like extra electrical impulse protection on the new chip or whatever. I'm not sure. You know, but th- these characters are not going to be coming back. Unless they had somehow a freak accident again. Which the odds of that happening are astronomically low. Um, but that means that Sony is on the verge of creating a bunch of new villains that we've never seen on screen before. So that's also exciting, right? Like, I mean, we've never seen Morbius. We saw Venom, but it was something that a lot of people like to forget. Um, you know, Craven the Hunter is on his way. So there are plenty of options. And I, I think I agree with Sony's take of just, let's just give these, these, these villains a proper send-off. While we introduce a bunch more people. So whatever. I mean. I guess you could say this was like an an unofficial Sinister Six movie. But it obviously never really came down to that. It was just Spider-Man fighting them one on one. Barely. It, it wasn't really a lot. Like he didn't really necessarily have to fight Sandman. Like it was. It was a weird. Weird movie. Fans were just happy to see all of these guys returning into form. And I thought they did a great job. You know, I thought everyone did a great job. But I don't know... I don't know what Sony's actually doing moving forward. It's very complicated the way... I The movie ended unexpectedly. I honestly thought something would happen where Tom Holland ended up in another universe. Probably like the Venom universe that, you know, like the universe where Venom is. I thought something would happen... Where he would end up over there. And that's why No Way Home. Like I thought there would be No Way Home for him. And that would be Sony's segue to, you know, the Spider-Man universe. Tom Holland is here. You know, he's fighting against Venom and, and, and Morbius and all these different characters. The Vulture is over there. Like it, it just, it's weird. I'm not sure what exactly is going to happen. But that brings another question. So we know that Adrian Toomes is in the Morbius movie. 
But now the question is, does he know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker? My guess is no. But also, how did he end up in that universe? And if Doctor, if Doctor Strange's spell restored everyone back to the original universe, why would... You know what I mean? Like, why would uh, Vulture be over there? I, it's It's very... There are some loose ends here that need to really be tightened up. I'm hoping the Morbius movie does elaborate on it, but they probably won't. Like, I don't I don't know what to expect here. Morbius movie. Doctor Strange's movie was pushed back. So we're it's going to be a little while before we figure out what happens with that. I, I don't know. I'm not sure, guys. I don't know what Sony's plans are moving forward. I don't I don't know what to expect. Um, you know, there are a lot of rumors before the movie came out, that Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire would do more Spider-Man movies. Um, I'm still not fully on board with having two cinematic universes, each having their own Spider-Man. I, 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 don't, I think there needs to be just one primary Spider-Man starring in any movie. If it's gonna be Tom Holland, let it be Tom Holland. If you're gonna cut him and bring back Andrew, let like do something. But if the MCU has Tom Holland and the Spider-Man universe has Andrew Garfield, for example, I feel like that's gonna be somewhat complicated because Andrew Garfield clearly was sent home. So why would he randomly be showing up in the Venom world? Unless something, whatever happens in Doctor Strange's movie is like what, ter- like his movie must be the final piece that answers a lot of these questions. Because right now everything is way too open and there's way too many conflicting things going on. I really did not expect the movie to end the way it did. Uh, so we're kind of stuck here with a lot of these different questions on hand. Um, things are not as simple as they seem. And I think that's what we're, you know, that's what we're getting into. I was at the uh, theater, the second showing, right? Second time I went. When we when we finished watching the Doctor Strange trailer, one of the kids in the audience, okay, a kid, he instantly and and like I could tell, like this kid couldn't have been in his teens, like he was a straight up child. He goes and says. That's like Doctor Strange and What If. I was like, yo. Like, I knew that. But I was surprised that he caught on that quickly. Because there was indeed, you know, you guys saw it. The evil Doctor Strange. Well, we're not going to call him evil. But he obviously looked like a more sinister counterpart to the MCU Doctor Strange that we know. And look, we're going to have to get used to seeing different versions of a character, right? Loki was the first clue. Loki let us know we can see multiple versions of a character, um, you know, and, and that's just the reality. So I'm, I'm so curious to see what will happen moving forward for Sony and the MCU with these doppelganger situations. The reality is, if that Venom could have survived, is it possible that other characters were dropped into the MCU but never got swept up when the spell was cast? Is this how they're going to say, here's the X-Men, here's Fantastic Four? 
Like, how are they going to pull these new acquisitions together? So that's some thoughts on the Sony side, the future, and what to look forward to. I'm going to talk about the Disney side. Uh, In particular, I want to talk about, once again, many universes are coming together. And it's very interesting to see how this all takes place. But I want to talk about Charlie Cox, uh, Matt Murdock, the Kingpin, all these different things that happened this past week. And I'm very curious to see if we're going to see more connections from Netflix. Because this, that was very intriguing to see. So, let's get to the Disney Marvel side. Just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for the comments. Just thank you. All right, carry on. I'm not going to lie. Out of all of the different rumors and theories out there, I didn't expect the Charlie Cox one to be real. I did not expect them to pull his Daredevil Matt Murdock thing going on. He looks the exact same. Like, you know, he looks like they literally yanked him from the Netflix series and just plopped him in there. So it's fair to say and begin to speculate, well, hey, are they, is the Netflix universe? Now, look, the net, so before WandaVision, there were a series of shows that were loosely connected to the MCU, but various platforms were doing these shows. You had Hulu had like the Runaways. Freeform had uh, Cloak and Dagger. Okay, ABC had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter. Then you had the Netflix series, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Punisher, The Defenders. So you had all of these mini shows like that acknowledged. It was a very one-sided relationship. Those shows acknowledged the MCU, but the MCU itself never acknowledged the shows. So everything was very fragmented. Everything was very fragmented. Nothing really was connected unless they were on the platform. Now, Cloak and Dagger and um, the Runaways, they were both on Disney-owned platforms. So it was... When they had their crossover, it felt a little more seamless. Like, okay, Disney was able to coordinate between these two studios to make this happen. Netflix obviously never crossed over with any of those other shows. Netflix is also like, you know, its own entity. They don't care necessarily about Disney. They just had the rights to stream these characters and the respective, you know, uh, side characters and supporting roles and all of that stuff. So all of that to say, the question here. Is this the same exact Charlie Cox, or I should say Matt Murdock, that we saw in the Netflix series? Or is this just like a, for example, J.J. Jameson, J. Jameson, right? J.J., he, we clearly know him as an actor and as a character to portray 
J.J. from the Sam Raimi trilogy. However, it appears that he is, in fact, an MCU character now. Like, he, there was no transitional point or period to where he's just in this new universe and he's just adjusting to this new world. He seems like he was always there and we just finally heard from him and far from home. And I wonder if this if this is another instance of that where he's even though we know him from Netflix they are not the same character and you cannot like the Netflix shows are not canon. I don't believe that they're going to pull from the shows like any kind of flashbacks that we might see or something. I don't think it's going to be from the shows. What I can say is this. Now, I don't know how many of you all watch Hawkeye. If you do not watch Hawkeye, um, I'm going to let you know right now. I'm not going to spoil the plot of the, the show. But I am going to say I'm going to spoil a, a pretty big reveal of a character that was from the Daredevil series. Now, if you do not want to be spoiled of this, this is tough. I want to be able to tell you to like skip to another part of the recording. But while I'm doing this live, I don't know when this will actually occur. Maybe I'll insert like a chime while I'm talking. While I'm editing. Like right now, as I'm talking, when I go to edit, I'll know exactly where the timestamp is. And then I might insert like another sub. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't want you to have to just stop listening. But I am worried if you are going to be upset of being spoiled at episode 5 of Hawkeye. So I'm going to make an executive decision. And say that I'm going to go through with it. And Godspeed. So. Towards the end of the episode of Hawkeye, episode 5. We see that Kate's mom is talking to the kingpin. Now, I, I, it, was a, it looked like, like a still image, like photo type of thing. So I wasn't sure who it was. It was somewhat blurry. And it was a quick shot. I could have gone back and paused it and studied the face. But the credits let me know that it was Vincent D'Onofrio who had originally portrayed Kingpin in the Netflix series. He did a great job, too. I, say what you want about, like, Daredevil. But I'm going to tell you something. Live-action Kingpin has been on point, both in that god-awful Ben Affleck movie and also in that show. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan did a great job as a black kingpin. Um, and then Vincent did a great job as a more original-looking kingpin. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right now, the fact that we got both of these character reveals in one week, I feel like it's a sign. I feel like that is a key sign from, from Disney letting us know Hey, look, these two characters are going to have quite a moment. We don't like, will we ever get a Daredevil movie or a show in the MCU? I don't know. Probably. 
I would think we probably will. But we have two superpowered lawyers in the MCU. So I'm very curious to see what will happen. Like, you know, we have um, She-Hulk is on her way, Jennifer. And, you know, she's Bruce Banner's cousin. She's a Hulk because she needed blood from... She needed a blood transfusion. Her cousin was available. The Gamma thing, whatever, transferred to her. She becomes Hulk. But, like, you know how, like, we had the, the scientist Hulk in Endgame where he was, like, composed and he was able to get the bronze and the brains balanced? That's She-Hulk all the time. Like, that's just She-Hulk. So I'm very curious to see if they'll both be like that. We saw at the end of Shanghai, Shanghai, what? We saw at the end, Bruce Banner was there. Like, he wasn't Hulk. He was just Bruce Banner. So he was able to take, like, I I don't know if they retconned what they did with him in Endgame. Or if he, over time, had learned how to be able to go back to human form. But, uh... We did see him, like, his arm is... It looks like his arm is just permanently damaged from using the, the uh, gauntlet to do the snap to reverse everything. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get from there. But what I do know is that... It looks, it looks like... Um, like, maybe Charlie will be... Maybe he'll have a cameo or start in a couple of episodes of She-Hulk. It's possible. You know, this whole lawyer attorney thing. Uh, I see him. I see his role as a journeyman, honestly. I feel like he would probably star in just like some shows and make appearances in movies. Any of these heroes that are dealing with legal issues, he would show up. Um, and Kingpin, I think his role will also grow as time goes on. And I think they're both going to be very TV show heavy. I don't think they're going to be in a lot of movies. I think they're going to be more so in the shows, hopping from show to show, um, being that bridge. Like Rosario Dawson, right? Rosario Dawson in the Netflix series, she was in like all of the shows. And we knew the shows were connected, but she was like an official character bridge. That was like, oh, she's playing the same person over here and over there and blah, 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 blah. blah. So that's kind of what I I think they might do with uh, with Daredevil and Kingpin. Kind of just pop up randomly in different spots. It's like, oh, there's, there's Daredevil. Um, but will he ever actually be Daredevil? Like, will we only see Matt Murdock or will he be in costume? That remains to be seen. I hope he's in costume. I hope he's fighting. I hope he does end up helping out and doing things so we can see him in action again. Uh, his show was, I think, if you if you ignore like the MCU idea and everything, and just stick with like pure Marvel live action television shows, Daredevil's show on Netflix is got to be a top five, right? Got to be up there. Um, just phenomenal, especially the action sequences. Just great. Like they were just great between. Um, between Daredevil and Luke Cage, the action was pretty good. Jessica Jones had some decent action. We're not even going to pretend Iron Fist was... Yeah. And then The Punisher. A lot of people liked The Punisher show. I did not like... I wasn't the biggest fan of The Punisher show. I would say 
if I had to rank my Netflix shows, I'm off tangent right now. But if I had to rank them, see, the problem is the first half of the first season of Luke Cage was the absolute peak of Netflix Marvel shows. With Cottonmouth, oh, I mean, that was just high octane, just like, oh my gosh. Um, but we, I'm going overall, like overall the show, the seasons, every episode combined, Daredevil would be number one, Luke Cage would be two, Jessica Jones would be three, Punisher four, and Iron Fist dead last in sixth place. I know there was five shows. I'm, I, he, it was so bad. I, I'm sorry. Um, now, the Defenders, I'm not even going to count that necessarily as like a show because it was like more of a crossover event. But if I had to rank the Defenders, I would probably put that officially in fifth place ahead of Iron Fist. Uh, but the Defenders, what made me sad about the Defenders was that they they fixed Iron Fist. Like, he was better in the Defenders than he was in his own show. And he felt more true to character in the Defenders as well as when he was teaming up with Luke Cage. So I, it's, it's a shame that his own show failed him. But everywhere else, he was fine. Um, so that was unfortunate. But anyway, back to Matt. So I wonder like how many more characters that the MCU will pull from Netflix. Will they pull back in like Cloak and Dagger? Will they pull in the Runaways? That all remains to be seen. Would they, would they grab the original actors? The Runaways and Cloak and Dagger are risky because they were originally teens. And child, you know, these actors were in their 20s portraying these, these youngsters. So getting their original actors, they're, not, they're all not going to still look that age. So you're probably going to have to just age them. You know, that's the thing. Like, animated... You could do anything for any any given time, but live action is tricky. So, you know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Would I want to see any of those characters back? Sure. You know, I, Hellstrom is another show that doesn't get a lot of attention, mainly because it was so dark that even Marvel was like, we're not going to really put our name on it. Um, <clears throat> but it was a Marvel show that came on FX. And I did watch that. It only lasted for one season. It was okay. Um, that was about it. And then Hulu just came out with a couple of Marvel animated shows that I watched. I watched Modoc. I watched Hitmonkey. Um, those two were good. I did like those shows. You know, but will Marvel ever accept them as part of official MCU canon? No, most likely not. Um, so we're gonna have these random. Marvel spawns that are not connected to the MCU, and that's kind of a shame. But here we are. So, with all that said, the question with Marvel and Disney is, how how far is their universe going to expand? During the um, the trailer for Doctor Strange's movie, we saw a jacket, the back of a jacket that had a star. It looks like that was a reference to America Chavez, or what's her name, Americana, or something like something like that. And um, she's like sort of Captain America esque character. 
So she may show up. I don't like. I don't know if she is in the MCU or if this is like a multiverse situation. There are a lot of things that we saw in the trailer that may or may not be like officially just an emerging character within the MCU or because of the rift from the multiverse thing. So it's going to be interesting to see who is what and what's going on. Marvel is in a very dangerous position. This this could spiral out of control quickly if they're not careful. When you have the multiverse as an option, it can, it most certainly can lead to lazy writing. Okay? It can lead to a situation where we say, all right, well, we forgot about this character. Let's just say this character showed up in the multiverse rift. Like... No, you should give that you should really like try to give a good origin story for this character. Now, <clears throat> the Fantastic Four, X-Men, Deadpool, right? These Fox uh franchises that transitioned over back to Marvel. My question for those is what are they going to do with those, right? These are established characters that we've seen before. It sounds like Deadpool has officially transitioned over to the MCU. It sounds like, you know, like that little promo of Ryan Reynolds and uh, he was Deadpool. And then the guy, I forget his name, from uh, Thor, uh, Ragnarok. I forget his name. He was pretty funny. And so that kind of represented like, okay, yeah, at least the Daredevil, Daredevil, at least Deadpool is in the MCU maybe, perhaps, right? But also, he's a fourth wall breaker who could kind of break the rules and do stuff, and he's, like, aware of different things. So who knows what that all really meant? But, you know, like, if you're going to bring these characters in, you're probably not going to have the same actors. So you're probably going to bring this... You're probably going to just have to retcon them again and say, hey, you know, these guys are from whatever situation. Um, now we have, we have things like the Eternals and the humans. We don't have any mutants. Now the X-Men are mutants, all right? They are not, you know, any other kind of thing. The concept of mutant, how are they going to introduce in, in terms of like, is this a brand new thing that happened because of the snap? Like one of the repercussions of the snap? People came back, mutated, right? Like maybe the people who were snapped, some of them came back and just had powers now. Like you could explain the X-Men like that. Fantastic Four had an accident in space, basically, that led them to acquiring their powers along with Doctor Doom. So the question with them is, are you going to have another incident where maybe they were in the middle of space when the snap happened? They came back. With power, like, I mean, you could just kind of make it all snap related if you wanted to. Otherwise, you're basically gonna have to start completely from scratch, which I guess is fine. But I wouldn't be surprised if Marvel waits until much later, like maybe several years. I know Fantastic Four movie is like scheduled for like 2024 or something, like around there. So they could like do that then, but I really feel like. 
let's use up a lot of... I mean, Marvel has so many characters and, and, and situations that they can pull from. They don't have to rush the Fantastic Four and the X-Men in. Because what'll happen is, you know, you want some you want some storylines for the next phase, right? You have phase one, you have phase two, we're in phase four right now, whatever. You want to have different characters for these different phases. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they held off on rushing those characters out. Like this current phase, you have to imagine they already had it mapped out before the acquisitions. So they probably have everything they want. They might go back and like lay some Easter eggs of their existence. But it's not going to be a heavy, heavily charged situation of, here they are, this is them. It's going to be more of a, you know, that looks kind of familiar, doesn't it, guys? Type of thing. So I'm, you know, we'll see, I guess. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get an idea. But like I said, the multiverse can create some lazy writing where, you know, we'll just pull another Iron Man from this universe. We'll pull another this from over there, another that from over there. And it can, it can create a hot mess. That was one of my biggest fears and letdowns with Loki is just that all of this time paradox and, and the universe and, and all, all these different things was like, it can get out of hand quickly. Too many things to keep track of. I mean, even like watching the Spider-Man movie, I was, I was pretty upset that the movie was in the dark because like the, at least the final action sequence because you couldn't, I couldn't, it was difficult. I don't know if I, it was just me, but it was difficult keeping track of the three Spider-Men when they were, the amount of cuts that they would do, and then their voices all kind of sounded similar in a way, especially since they didn't talk a lot. It would just be like, oh, I'm on my way. I did it. I oh. So you, like, you didn't get to catch their voice and really could tell, like, is that Toby? Was that Tom? Was that Andrew? Who was that? Costumes obviously looked similar. Like, it was a whole, it was honestly a mess. I mean, like, I enjoyed the fact that they were all together, but it, you couldn't tell who was who a lot of the time. Um, I tried to keep track of their eyes because their eyes seemed like the main difference between the three, but those eyes weren't always in shots. So it was like, who is that? Like, I didn't know who that was. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm at a point where, you know, if you have multiple versions of these characters and just trying to figure out who is who and what is what, it, it gets tricky at some point and it kind of becomes a headache and it becomes too much to follow. So Marvel needs to really be careful with how they handle the multiverse moving forward. They really do. Because this could explode into an entirely different thing that they won't even be able to handle. And if that happens, it's all over. The MCU will die. And that'll be it. But that sounds like what they want to do. They want to go down this path. They have fully invested in the multi multiple universe situation. And with Sony's help, they were able to really establish this. This movie, Spider-Man's movie, really... And we knew it was going to really change the way we look at the MCU. Um, but this movie came out. Sony was able to assist Marvel in their quest by pulling in the other franchises, the other universes that Spider-Man exists in 
And then that allowed Marvel to say there are multiple universes. Look at this. And it just it it, it you know they they both Marvel and Sony did a great job working together. Um, they've done a great job working together, and we have to give them an applause for that. So you know we'll see what happens between these two universes: Spider-Man universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what each thing will do. I'm excited. But here's the thing. The most excited I was was just the idea of seeing the three Spider-Men together on screen. So, And I'm going to have an entire episode dedicated to the three of them and how well they, their dynamic was. I, they were so cute. Like, they were awesome. They were the absolute highlight of the movie. I'm, I'm sorry... You know, maybe I'm just caught up in the craze, but they really, the second half of the movie went a lot faster than the first half. Once, once uh, Andrew and Toby showed up, it just, it just jumped. Like the movie just jumped from there and they, the three of them carried it. And you have three leading men carrying a movie, playing the same character. It's, it's a very dynamic situation that doesn't get... You don't see that a lot in, in theater. Like, you don't see that a lot in movies, right? The idea of a multiverse, you don't see that often. So you have three various versions of a character all interacting with each other from different universes. And they're all leading from their own... Like, they've, they've established themselves as that character. We know them as that character. And now they're all on the screen together. It was just an amazing sight to see. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Like I said, it was like the best part of the movie. It, it really was. I mean, there were a lot of funny moments, but an ongoing wonderful moment, an ongoing wonderful thing was just the three of them and their dynamic. <clears throat> so I enjoyed it. I appreciated it. It was cool to see them all in action together. That swinging sequence after like they regroup. And they say, let's work together. Let's do this. That swing sequence earned an applause both times I went to the movies. Earned an applause. Like, it was just like, woo! Like, because that was what we were waiting for. That right there. But but let me, I'm getting all, let me save that for the, whoo! So, you guys let me know what you think. Like, is Marvel... Is Marvel on its way to, you know, creating a big giant mess? Or do you trust them enough to handle the multiverse appropriately? Uh, what is Sony going to do with the Spider-Man universe? Will it be Tom Holland? And will we ever see Tom Holland and Tom Hardy face to face on screen? I think that's probably the biggest question on our minds. We almost got it. We didn't quite get it. And now they seem to be separated yet again in different universes. So, I, I, you know, will we see Andrew Garfield again? Will we see Tobey Maguire again? Tobey nearly died. You know, so there's a lot of different questions about what we could potentially see. And I, um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to all these things. But let me, let me end the episode with this. And this might be a downer for some of you, but I'm going to end the episode on this. 
I'm fatigue is starting to set in. I'm not gonna lie. Fatigue is starting to set in. I I enjoy watching these Marvel shows and movies. The MCU has become a juggernaut of entertainment and content. However, I'm starting to get tired of the... And I, we, we've talked about this before. I know I've had discussions with people a few years ago of the idea that soon we're going to feel obligated to watch. Because if we don't watch a movie or a show and we skip ahead to a different movie or show, we're going to miss references. We're going to be in the dark. And it's like, oh, I have to watch this because you never know. I'll need this information. That's good and bad. Marvel set themselves up in the sense of now you have to watch everything because everything is connected. But on the bad side is I have to watch everything because everything is connected. And I don't want, if I'm not interested in a character or a story, I still have to watch it because, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I did not want to watch that show. It took me a whole lot of effort to watch the show. I watched like the first like two episodes and I stopped. It was so uh I'm not going to say bad, but it was just so uninteresting that I just stopped. And months went by. Like I ended up watching Loki and What If and then I finally went back. Like that that's how long. Yeah. And then I finally went back and watched the rest of the series. Um, you know, like it, it's I wasn't, I didn't think I'd like Hawkeye. So far, I actually like Hawkeye. Um, Hawkeye is like in my top three favorite MCU shows. It's not over yet, but I did, I, I have actually been legitimately enjoying Hawkeye. Kate and, and Clint, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're nice together. They're cool together. I like them together. Um, definitely carrying the show. And that's all I'm going to say without spoiling too much of what's happening in the show. I was about to make some references, but I have to remember. But my thing is, as a Spider-Man podcast, the primary objective for me when I watch this stuff is to find out how it connects to Spider-Man. So that's why I end up watching a lot of these different shows and movies. When the MCU first started, I did not watch the MCU movies until like maybe... Oh, what movie was out by the time I was like, all right, I guess I'll catch up on this stuff. I think I watched, was it The Avengers? I think it was the movie before The Avengers. Now, was that Captain America? I don't remember. Well, it might have been Iron Man 2. I don't know. Either way, at some point, it was like years into the MCU where I was like, fine, I'll start watching. And I'll catch up on these movies. So I started watching the movies and it was like a chore. It felt like a chore to catch up. I finally caught up. And then Spider-Man was showing up. So then I was like, all right, now I have to be involved because he's involved. Like I I, I wasn't critically invested in the MCU until Spider-Man showed up in 2015, right? With the uh, Civil War movie. We're not calling the Captain America movie. Stop. Get a hold of yourself. And pull yourself together. It's not a Captain America movie. It's an Avengers movie. Please. But anyway. So when Avengers Civil War came out. Yes, I went there. Um, that's when I knew like I had to be heavily invested in the MCU. Because Spidey was in it. And now I have to care. I have to give a hoot. And now, six years later, I'm already like... 
between Sony exploding with their movies and then the MCU doing their thing and, and, and all these references that could lead to Spider-Man-esque stuff, it just has become a bit of a chore. I'm not, I'm not even close to like, I don't want to do this anymore. Don't worry. I'm not close. But I can feel myself like, ah, I have to watch this. I have to watch that. And I'm, I was hoping, I was actually rooting for Spider-Man to no longer be in the MCU. I wanted them to kind of branch off and kind of separate. I thought Tom Holland would probably end up with Tom Hardy. And then that would just be the, you know, and we'll go from there. And then the MCU stuff, I wouldn't have to really keep track of anymore. Because, like, who cares? Like, he's not there. But Marvel already announced, you know, Spider-Man freshman year. You know, so I'm going to have to watch that. You know, like, it's... It's going to be tough. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough, you know, to keep up with everything Spider-Man related. But at the same time, I'm going to enjoy watching every bit of Spider-Man on screen. Like, uh, like, I'm getting tired of having to watch all the other stuff. But I know it'll be worth it when I watch a Spider-Man movie or show. And I know exactly what's going on. So that's just what I'm going to have to do. But hope, you know, per, 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 perhaps one day we'll have a Spider-Man, like, we'll, he'll leave the MCU, you know, or he'll join the MCU when Sony collapses. I don't know. Like, one or the other, as long as he's in one universe. Like, I'm having to keep track of two universes now, who are, and these two universes are now officially connected. So now it's like, all right, I have to, like, I have to. To keep track of both of them. So it's, it's tough. But um, yeah, a bit of a downer. I'm sure you probably did not want to hear that. But I think some of you agree. I think some of you are kind of starting to feel that fatigue. The MCU has been going on for what, like 13, 14 years? Like this has been a while. And I mean, they've been producing hit after hit. So it's not like the movies are bad. So at least it's worth the time. Like, you know, some stuff like Eternals. Please, no. Eternals was the worst MCU movie to date. I think we've had some close calls, right? We've had, like, Iron Man 3. A lot of people didn't like that. Um, Black Widow is is a lower-ranking movie, but it's definitely not even close to being as bad. It's not even a bad movie. So, you know. But uh, compared to a lot of what we've seen in the MCU, it's it's definitely not the best movie. Um... You know, so it could, you know, it could go a lot of different directions. But uh, I guess we'll see, guys. You know, the next thing on my list right now is going to be obviously finish up talking about No Way Home. And then basically in a month, it's Morbius time. So I have to, you know, by January, I hope to start kind of getting this podcast shifted towards talking about Morbius. Morbius is a character I don't know a lot about. Now, I know he made his debut in Spider-Man comics. Um, so, you know, once again, a character debuting next to a hero that won't exist for this origin story is a bit weird, but <laughs> we're going to go with it, I guess. You know, 
Venom debuted with Spider-Man, and yet he has no concept really of Spider-Man. And you could say, yes, he does, but after Doctor Strange fixed everything, apparently he has forgotten. So he basically is back to where he was, not knowing who Spider-Man is. I don't, you know, whatever, right? Like, you just you just roll with it and hope that you don't fall off of a bridge of contemplation. So, with all that said, let me know what you guys think of the future of both of these uh, studios, you know, Sony and Disney. Who has the brighter future? Who seems like they are doing a better job of managing their universe and their content? Obviously, Sony doesn't have a lot going on. They just, I guess, technically, they have five movies, right? They have Homecoming, uh, Far From Home, No Way Home, Venom, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So they have five. Six is about to come out with Morbius. The MCU has a bunch of movies out, you know, and now they have some shows to, to choose from for your your viewing pleasure. So, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see who is going to do what and how they're going to do it and how much of this unified universe thing are we going to see out of the two of them? How much collaboration are we going to get? So, uh, yeah. Can't wait. Next time we'll talk about... Uh, what What am I going to talk about next episode? I think next episode... Well, I'm not going to say it. Just in case I change my mind. So just tune in for the next episode of the series of spoiler reviews and breakdowns for Spider-Man No Way Home. And we're going to get through this. Booyah. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep swinging.